Boys, we're hanging outside a football stadium, as boys do, but they didn't have enough money for tickets. A man uh, noticed this conundrum for them, and he went up to the ticket taker, and he says, let the boys in and tell me how many there are. Sure, says the ticket taker. When it was done, the man came back, and he says, how many kids got in? Thirty-four. Great. And then the man turned around and walked outside the gate and mingled with the crowd. This is the opposite of the lesson today, <laughs> which is entitled Redeemed. Redeemed. The first point is external. External redemption. We can think of Abraham. No kids. A very faithful servant. And he was talking to God. God, you haven't given me any kids yet. We're too old. We can't have kids. My servant is going to be the one who enjoys my inheritance. No, God says, look up at the stars in the heaven. This is out of Genesis 15, by the way. You number the stars. You can't. It's an abundance. Well, that's how much, how many people will be in your lineage. You're going to have a child. But they're going to be sojourners. And eventually, at a time, they're going to be a slaves. And slaves that are greatly inflicted. And we know, of course, that that was Egypt. God says judgment's going to come upon that nation who enslaves you and afflicts you. But you're going to come out with great possessions. Moses happened to be the person God used to bring out the people. But according to God, God offered the redemption. Not Moses. Exodus 6.6 6 says this. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. That word redeem there, that's the first time in our scriptural uh, account that that word's ever used. So we get the idea from that word that redemption has a lot to do with God's mighty acts bringing the Israelites out of a slavery. I will redeem them. I will buy them back. Now there's another type of redemption. It's a monetary redemption. That comes out of Leviticus chapter 25, verses 47 through 49. Basically, Moses is telling the people one day... Sojourners might come into the, people, the land of the Israelites, wherever that might be. And they're sojourners, which means they're not Israel. They're a different people. And they might become wealthy. And you, some of you, might become poor. And in your poverty, you might become destitute to the point where you owe so much that you sell yourself as an indentured servant. Well... There may be family members around who are doing okay. They have a responsibility to help redeem you from your situation, to pay for your debt and to bring you out of that indentured servitude if they could. That's a monetary redemption. 
And it deals with money. To redeem, to buy somebody back from their poverty, from what they owe, from their plight. To bring them back into the fold as free people. And then, of course, we all probably know out of Ruth, that character named Boaz. What is he called? Or calls himself a redeemer. And that's called a kinsman redeemer. So Naomi and Ruth were in a pickle. Naomi lost her husband. Uh, that he lost, She lost her sons. She had one daughter-in-law who hung out with her, Ruth. They have no sons. They have no children. They're in poverty and this, that, and the other. And who is Boaz? The Redeemer who is able to continue the line in that family with children. That is an ex are examples of Redeemers. And we get that understanding utilizing all those concepts of what a Redeemer is. Now, I picture that as an external redemption. Because of circumstances, externally something is done for you to help you. Well, my second point is internal. Now, you may know this if you've studied the old law a lot. Purification rituals helped with external and physical holiness. I needed to do this external ritual. If I touched a dead body, I had to do something that, so that I could be purified, go through the ritual so that I can worship God and I won't be unclean, right? Examples of this purification ritual include after having a child. The mother has to go through purification rituals. Touching a dead body. Marriage, sexual relationships have rituals of cleanliness. Red heifer, the worship, forgiveness, priest, washing of hands can, was ritualized even, as well as sacrifice. But in all those external things that God did require them to do, he never said, do it without your heart. He never said, just go through the motions, and so it looks good on the outside that you are a follower of God, following the ways that he did. You must also have the heart. As he says in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskins of your hearts. This is leading us to a bigger thought, but if you see the point, the heart is so important. And as we looked at Jesus' encounter with a lot of the people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and such, where was he concerned? The heart. The people who were great at the external. Those who were great at the external were great at looking at others and saying, you're not doing it this right way. You're a sinner. You were born in sin, some of them even said. They had the wrong heart. So, external ritual of purity, though, 
is not the case with Christ. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. The reading that Dallas gave us, 9, 11 through 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of bulls and goats, but by, or calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal, what? Redemption. Securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify, that is, make ritually holy, for the purification of the flesh, how much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience? Is that fleshly? Purify our conscience from dead works to serve a living God. There's a lot there. We're not going to go every detail. And I'll try to make this as exciting as I can because some of this is kind of deep. As our high priest, Jesus took care of our purity. Our purity. Our cleanliness. Our holiness. What makes us able to worship Him in the proper way. But He didn't do it from an external point of view. He did it from an internal point of view. How? By His blood. Now, His blood doesn't come down physically and pour on us, does it? But when we are come into Christ, through immersion into Christ for forgiveness of sin, His blood is used spiritually to what? Cleanse us. To purify us. You see, redemption requires a price tag. I have to pay money to get my aunt out from indentured servitude. I have to redeem this person and bring her into my life so that we can carry on this descendancy. That's my responsibility. And God's cost for our redemption is great. You see, it's not Satan's cost. Satan didn't put a price tag out there saying, I need Jesus' blood to cover your sins before I let you go. It was God's cost that says, the only way you're going to be free is if you have the blood of Christ on you. In your heart. As I have instructed. That's God's cost. That's the price of our redemption, our freedom, our ability to live a life without slavery on top of us. Satan's very good at that slavery stuff, isn't he? Oh, he likes it. He wants to call, call us the whipping boy. 
Who needs redeemed? We do. We're slaves of sin before Christ. We're in spiritual poverty. And you can't buy yourself out of it. You're destitute. You're without hope. Just imagine selling yourself off so that you have, because the debts that you cannot pay. Well, that was an example of redemption in Israel. To be used for us today to understand what God is doing for you. We need redemption. We need a Savior. We need His blood. We need the price to be paid. That's the only way we're going to get set free. Hebrews 9.14 says, Purify our conscience. Again, does that sound like an external purification? But it's not what we think. Conscience, for most of us, carries the idea of, well, I have a good conscience about that. Or uh, my conscience if it, uh, is good. Uh, my conscience is not pricked. I know I'm going in the right direction. It's, it has to do with our thinking. But conscience in Hebrews has a different idea. Or more different than we usually use for the word conscience. It's about whom we are working and living for. My conscience, when I'm purified by the blood of Christ, has now told me what? I am working for Jesus, and I am no longer working for Satan. I am no longer working for the ritual. I am no longer working for self-interest. I am working and living for the one who redeemed me. My conscience has changed. Are we working for Christ or self-righteousness through external only deeds? Is the blood of Christ on us? On us? You see, ritual only is dead works. Doing it just to be seen is dead works. Checking the bookmark or the clock on Sunday and that's it is dead works. Living the life that God has for us is what matters. Having the blood of Christ on us that redeemed us is what matters. Changing the way we think. Our conscience now in Christ is knowing we truly serve God and not flesh. Not our own desires. So the third point is eternal. In Washington, D.C., a tourist asked a passerby on C Street, which side is the State Department on? The reply, ours, I think. <laughs> but with God, we don't have to guess, do we? We don't have to guess which side of the street he's on or how he's involved in our life. 
Eternal redemption references our salvation. Hebrews 9, verse 12. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. That was God's price for us to be set free. We can't earn it. And if you're trying to earn it, you're doing just what those under the old law tried to do who did not have a proper heart. With eternal redemption, guess what? You will never, ever be sold back into slavery. God won't make another deal saying, ah, let's raise the price and send them back. That's not going to happen. God's price for our redemption out trumps any holds Satan has on us. And boy, does he have some whoppering holes, holds on us, doesn't he? Grace, forgiveness, mercy. Blood, trust. Our only caveat is, will you choose to go back to slavery? Don't do it. Hebrews 10.39 says, but we are not of those who shrink back. He's talking to those who listen and are redeemed. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We are eternally saved. Chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. And if you're eagerly waiting for Christ, are you sitting outside on your bench drinking your Kool-Aid? I don't know, but if that's your habit, maybe there's something else you need to be doing. How about this? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22-25. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. For a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure... What? Heart. Heart. Not because I have to, because it looks good, but because you love them. Since you have been born again, not of imperishable seed, but of not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of of God. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. But grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord stands or remains forever. And this word is preached is the good news that was preached to you. Jesus Christ's blood will redeem you or has redeemed you from all your slavery of sin. 
with Satan. And I don't know about you, but if that doesn't sound like good news, we need to clean your ear out of the spiritual wax it has in it. That's good news! Good news! Will you accept the redemption? If you haven't chosen to follow Him, will you accept His redemption? If you have chosen to follow Him, will you show it in your obedience and love, kindness? Will you have the heart? If there's anybody here today who has any prayer requests or concerns or otherwise, please come forward now as together we stand and sing.